And thanks, Matt. This is the, the final part in a, of a four-part series called Real Life, Real Issues. Uh, I tried to make the issues, like the, the title says, the real issues of the day. We talked about parenting, the, the first part. Uh, the second part, we talked about time management, which I think is, is more of a challenge than sometimes we realize more of an area of attack than we than we realized. Last week we talked about finances. Today we deal with the most real issue of all, at least in the series. It's the issue of pornography. I, I would rather not preach on this. I tried to get out of it. But God wouldn't let me. I believe God used the name of the series to bring me to this place this morning. If I was going to call the series Real Life, Real Issues, then I better deal with the real issues. We have some people here at Central Assembly who have struggled. I tapped into their experience as I, as I put this together. Three different men were a, were a big help to me. I love these guys. I'm proud of them. I want to thank them for their effort in recovery and for their willingness to help me as I prepared uh, for a sermon called Purging Porn. I also want to welcome our, our live stream audience. We're so thankful for the ability to, to live stream this message beyond uh, the folks that are, that are in the auditorium today. And uh, if you were unable to be at church today or maybe you're not a part of Central Assembly uh, there's people that live across the miles. Found out recently about a young man that lives in Eau Claire that watches every week. And uh, we're thankful for our live stream audience. Uh, pornography, like the other issues in, in the series, is really a stewardship issue. How we care for our children, how we manage our time, and how we manage our finances are paramount because we're not owners, we're stewards. God has put certain commodities into our care, and it's up to us to manage the resources well. Proverbs 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those that dwell therein. Pornography is a stewardship issue, too. We've been entrusted with our bodies. We've been entrusted with certain appetites and desires. And it's up to us to guard, protect, control, and rightly use what has been put into our care. 1 Corinthians 6 says, For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Now listen to this. Which are God's? In other words, they belong to God. It's a, it's a stewardship issue. We belong to God. When I, when I worked at Georgia Pacific, at the, in the end of the day would come. We would all be lined up at the time clock, ready, ready to punch out. Then it would be a race to the parking lot. Because there was a guy that you didn't want to get behind on the drive out. The reason you didn't want to get behind this guy was because he would, he would drive slow 
And he would stop at all the stop signs, even on these little dirt roads down on the waterfront, these little obscure dirt roads. One day I got stuck behind him. And I realized why he obeyed the five-mile-an-hour speed limit (laughs) and why he stopped at all the stop signs. I noticed that he had a bumper sticker. And the bumper sticker was from a a driving school where he was a part-time instructor. He worked part-time teaching people to drive. He was making sure that his driving matched his bumper sticker. He was making sure he represented his company well. He wanted to live what he proclaimed. And this is the conundrum of pornography, isn't it? We can try to rationalize it away, but it's really the problem of compromise, and it's the problem of not being on the inside what we endeavor to be what we proclaim to be on the outside. James tells us in James 1.8, he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded believer is constantly living in a state of compromise. Half of you lives for God and the other half lives to feed your habit. You want to live for God. You want to live your bumper sticker. But there's a tremendous pull in another direction. It's difficult because in the realm of pornography, you may win the battle 90% of the time, but you still live in defeat and you still feel double-minded. The double-minded Christian loves Jesus, but he's also under the spell of his sinful obsession. And it's a miserable way to live. The double-mindedness is a torment because we all know that we should be totally sold out to Jesus. And we know all too well that our sin is holding us back. We end up living a divided life. We're not living our bumper sticker. Even though we sincerely love Jesus, we're compromising in the area of our Christian life because of our secret sin. It's hard to to serve in the church when you're viewing pornography in secret. It's hard to share the gospel with unsaved co-workers when you're compromising so blatantly. It's hard to be a voice for Jesus when you're a slave to the devil. It's hard to feel strong when you act so weak. It's hard to wear a bumper sticker saying you belong to Jesus when you're running all the stop signs. The double-mindedness is is evident by the fact that that there are genuinely times when we are led by the Holy Spirit and we really do make a difference for Jesus sometimes. Maybe, Maybe the hardest part is knowing that we've disappointed God. I'm convinced this was Adam's torment. Think about it. Adam had everything he could possibly want. And he ate from the one tree, the one tree in the entire forest that God said not to. Imagine God put you in a donut shop. And he tells you you can eat of any of the 
hundreds upon hundreds of donuts that are on the racks and the shelves and the tables. You can eat any of the donuts that you want except one. And then God leaves. And you eat the one donut that He told you not to eat. Of course, a few minutes later, you see God coming back into the donut shop. This was Adam's story. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, it says in Genesis 3. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and he said, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Why did Adam hide? It wasn't because he was naked. He'd always been naked. He hid because we distance ourselves from those we disappoint. And when we fail in the area of sexual sin, we begin to distance ourselves from God. God comes for his daily walk and, and we hide from him. And God asks that awkward and probing question, where are you? And, and just for the record, he already knows the answer. That's why, that's why this is so destructive. Yes, we belong to God, but sin builds a wall between us. The same James who, who told us a double-minded man was unstable in all his ways offers hope for the double-minded. In James 4.8 it says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. That's His way of saying, live your bumper sticker. Instead of pulling away, press in. Confess your sin. Purify your heart through the blood of Jesus. Take the steps necessary to become the man that God has called you to be. Don't distance yourself from God. Don't hide from God, James says. Draw near to God. The challenge for the born-again believer is to glorify God in your body, as 1 Corinthians 6.20 says. You know, in the realm of evangelical Christianity, I think we diminish the role of the body. We talk about it as the, the shell or the housing for the spirit and the, and the soul, as if it's a disconnected, disjointed container. In reality, the body and the soul are intricately connected. Yes, it's true that death is the separation of the body and the soul, but while we live, the body is part of us, and it will be again after the resurrection. It's part of our being, so let's not minimize the role of the body. Romans 12.1 says that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6.15 says, Know ye not that your bodies, not your soul, doesn't say your soul, doesn't say your spirit, it says your bodies are members 
of Christ. The spiritual disciplines are all related to the body. Fasting, silence, service, solitude. And sins often manifest themselves in the physical body. The body is significant. The soul, hear me now church, the soul is often won or lost in the realm of your physical being. We are to glorify God with our body. Can you say amen to that? Pornography is a major concession to our carnal appetites and desires. It's a struggle because there are normal and natural desires present. That's very important for us to say today. Men seem to be particularly susceptible. Young men have higher levels of of the hormones that, that promote sex drive, but older men are certainly players in the pornography industry. And one thing that I learned, I knew it, but I really learned it this week, is that women are an ever-growing portion of the pornography market. There's a fight over our bodies taking place in the spiritual realm. Satan wants to use your body against you. He's, He's tempting you, and he's trying you in the area of your natural desires and appetites. He knows where you're susceptible, and he knows what buttons to push. It's up to us to position ourselves to win a very difficult battle. Like any addiction, pornography forms new neuropathways in your brain. And make no mistake, church, Make no mistake that prolonged usage is having a physiological effect on you. Don't fool yourself. Prolonged pornography usage is absolutely having a physiological effect on you. The more time you spend in the world of pornography, the more likely you will be to begin seeing the world through a perverted lens. Unto the pure, all things are pure, it says in the book of Titus. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Even their mind and their conscience are defiled. The more you give in, the more you find yourself lost in a tangled web of your own making, it's like quicksand that begins to to suck you in. And the more you fight, the harder you struggle, the more it pulls you in and the deeper you go. For the one in the grips of pornography, it can feel hopeless. Well, let me assure you this morning, it's not. And more importantly, let the three men that I talked to you this week assure you, it's not hopeless. The seventh commandment says this, you shall not commit adultery. But Jesus later explained the heart of of that commandment during his teachings, amazing, beautiful teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 27, 28 says, You have heard it said to those of old that you shall not commit adultery. I say, this is Jesus talking, I say that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her 
has already committed adultery in his heart. The definition of adultery provided here by Jesus clearly involves the thought life. The desire may be natural, but the desire is not meant to control us. The desire is not sin. Hear me. The desire is not sin. But the places we allow the desire to take us often are. Our desires are not meant to control us. Proverbs 6.25 says, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. Pornography can cost you everything. It can cost you your job. It can cost you your marriage. It can cost you the respect of those around you. It's anything but a harmless preoccupation. Let's take a look this morning at how porn affects you. Number one, porn hinders your walk with God. The Bible is clear, and experience bears it out. You cannot serve two masters. You'll love one, and you'll hate the other. This is the struggle of the double-minded. This is Adam hiding from God. And that's why it matters. Porn will hinder your walk with God. Number two, porn deceives you into seeing sex as just a physical act. Sex is so much more than the physical. It's part of the amazing process whereby two become one. To embrace the physical part without the spiritual part and the emotional part is a tragic, selfish compromise that will diminish the power and the magnitude of the sexual relationship as it was created and intended to be. Listen, pornography robs you of sexual fulfillment, which is what you are in reality so desperately seeking. You cannot find, you cannot find sexual fulfillment without the spiritual and the emotional part. That's why just the physical part always leaves you empty and remorseful. Number three, porn feeds you the wrong image of women. Pornography trains you trains us to focus on the outward. Instead of seeing someone as an individual created in the image of God, we begin to value women based on the outward appearance. Number four, porn impairs your self-control. Listen, the Bible teaches us to deny the flesh. Pornography teaches us to feed the flesh. Instead of the mentality of a disciplined athlete, you become a pleasure-driven, spoiled child. Number five, porn can affect you emotionally. The endorphin rush associated with pornography has a euphoric, drug-like effect. The more you tap into it, the more you crave it. Over time, it will impact the way you deal with the rest of your world, and it will stunt you emotionally. Number six, porn destroys marriages. Far too many people have felt the deep hurt the devastating sense of betrayal and inadequacy that comes with the discovery 
of a spouse's pornography usage. Porn undermines trust and taints the exclusiveness of marriage. We are to glorify God in our body. You know, after Jesus said that lust, think about it, is the same as adultery, he added this. And this is in Matthew 5, 29 and 30. Now, think about this. Again, he said he's compared lust to, to the actual act of adultery. Then he said this. If your right eye offends thee, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it's profitable for you that one of your members should perish and not your whole body be cast into hell. And if your right hand offends thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it's profitable for thee that one of your members should perish and your whole body not be cast into hell. This emphasizes the seriousness of the issue. It can make the difference. Church, it can make the difference between heaven and hell. The soul is often won or lost in the realm of the body. Now it's not that you've sinned. We've all sinned. It's that like Adam, you distance yourself from God because of your sin. You're bought with a price, the Bible says. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Ignatius said it's impossible for a man to be freed from the habit of sin before he hates it. You won't find victory trying to outmuscle lust. You have to learn to hate it. You may win sometimes, you may win most of the time. But you don't have to lose too often to feel like a failure in this arena. There are lots of methods and, and strategies, and I can share some of those with you. But those are, those are tools. They're not really the key to victory. The key to victory is to desire a close relationship with Jesus so much that you begin to hate sin. The key to victory will be an overwhelming desire to glorify God in your spirit. The only way you'll win this battle is to learn what it means to walk in the spirit and allow the inner man to become the same as the outer man. We must purge ourselves of the duplicity and the ability to compartmentalize certain aspects of our life. We can't be one person in church and another person at work. We can't be one person in the day and another person at night. We cannot be one person on the outside and another person on the inside. A double-minded man, the Bible says, is unstable in all his ways. We must glorify God in our spirit and allow that to permeate our entire being. Now the tools can be, can be helpful. Learning to bounce your eyes is, is a technique many men employ. When you see something that could potentially stir lustful thoughts, look away. It becomes a habit. Number two, when, lust, when a lustful thought comes calling, 
Change the mental channel. Don't invite the thought to stay. Divert your thinking. Number three, don't watch TV or movies with steamy stuff in it. Do you, do you hate the sin or don't you? The best way to avoid the tempt is to avoid the temptation entirely. But see, we've compromised in this area. Young people, love our young people in the front row here. Take you back to another day in the world of Christianity. Christians used to avoid R-rated movies. Now they become a steady part of our diet. And you are what you eat. Number four, don't isolate with your computer. Use it only in, in a public place, like the living room instead of your bedroom. Number five, give people your passwords and unlimited access to all your devices. Those are tangible helps. But the battle is, is spiritual. It begins in the mind. It begins in the thought life. And ultimately, that's where it must be defeated. Listen, we could pluck your eyes out. And we could cut your hands off. And you could still sin through lust. If we're going to win, we're going to win in the battlefield of the mind. For the weapons of our warfare are carnal, the Bible says. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought captive unto obedience in Christ. Taking every thought captive. Do you know that we have the ability to choose what we think about? We can't always stop random thoughts from popping in, but you can choose what you dwell on. Flee youthful lusts, the Bible says, but follow righteousness. Speaks of a choice. Flee youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord. Love the rest of the verse. Out of a pure heart. We can train ourselves to think clean. The sad reality is we live in a world filled with people with undisciplined minds, including Christians. You guys get really quiet during a sermon like this. We have undisciplined minds. The media thinks for us. The TV entertains us. The pastor prays for us. Our favorite team exercises for us. Talk radio argues for us. The microwave cooks for us. Google keeps us from having to remember anything. Uber drives for us. Amazon shops for us. And pornography has sex for us. Not much is required of us anymore. And as a result, we're undisciplined. We are fat and soft and lazy. I think Christians should be different. I'm of the school of thought that we ought to, we ought to be set apart. We should be the most 
disciplined people on the face of the planet. The only person telling us how to live should be the person of the Holy Ghost. Self-discipline is the bridge between who you are and who you want to be. The motivation may not always be present, but the self-discipline can be. We need to recognize, hear me now church, maybe this is a new revelation for you, but I need you to hear this. We need to recognize that we can act outside of our feelings. Just because we feel weak doesn't mean we have to act weak. It starts with glorifying God in your spirit. Hate the sin and the hold that it has on you enough to do what it takes, whatever it takes. To be free. So how do we get there? Let me give you five steps. Number one, admit where you are and what the problem is. Listen, you can't fix what you don't own. It's time to own it. Come on, church. Come on, men. If you want to be free then own it. Number two, realize you need God's help to change. And then realize God is willing to help. Number three, commit to the process. You see, it's not a moment. It's it's a journey that will take time. Don't embrace the result. Don't embrace the goal. You must embrace the process it will take to get there. Number four, replace negative behavior with positive behavior. Have a plan. What will you do when you're tempted the next time? That's that's your question. That's your first assignment. What will you do when you're tempted next time? Write it out. Write the plan out. Keep the plan handy. You're going to need it. Number five, accountability is super important. That's what the guys I talked to said. Find someone you can trust. Find someone who cares. And let me throw this one in. One of the guys that I talked to said something that that has really stuck with me. He, He said he decided he had to tell the person he least wanted to know. And what that tells me is that he was ready to be done with this. He was ready to deal with the sin and the hold that it had on him, whatever it would take. And one of the guys from our church that I talked to reminded me of this. Purity is not the goal. The goal is intimacy with Christ. Purity helps you get there. Purity is necessary to get there. Pornography hinders your closeness with Christ. That's why it's a problem. We want to be free from the strongholds of the enemy so we can be close to Jesus. The enemy uses pornography to build a wall between you and him. Listen, humility, and you have to think about this, humility is, is how you fight it. I need help. I'm weak. Closeness with Christ is why you fight it. 
Many addicts, one of the guys I talked to this week told me, grew up in families where they didn't learn to ask for help. The result is a a twisted sense of self-sufficiency. The problem is self-sufficiency doesn't work. It all starts with knowing you need help and being willing to ask for help. The first step in the process, one of the guys said, the first step in the process leading to freedom is to take a deep breath of reality. Another interesting thought from a former addict is that most addicts are know-it-alls. No one can tell me what to do. The result is a cycle of doing the same thing over and over and over again. Everything you've, you've tried has failed. So try this. Ask for help. Admitting you're powerless unleashes the power of God into your situation. Decide today to trust God more than your own understanding. And let me, let me close with this. Don't buy into the lies of the enemy. Okay? Hear me, church? Don't buy into the lies of the enemy. It's not the biggest sins that we have trouble asking forgiveness for. It's not the biggest sins that we have trouble asking forgiveness for. It's the little recurring sins. How can I, how can I go back to God with this again? Maybe that's why God inspired Jeremiah to pen the book of Lamentations Chapter 3, beginning in verse 20. It says, My soul has them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, Jeremiah says. Therefore I have hope. It's of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, Jeremiah said. Therefore I will hope in Him. Listen, his mercies are new every morning. How can I bring my sin back to God again? The same old sin that I brought back a hundred times before, a thousand times before. That's exactly why Jeremiah said this. His mercies are new every morning. Listen, you haven't lost until you gave up. You haven't lost until you've given up. You may have lost a battle. You can still win the war. A slip, a relapse doesn't have to define you. It's not who you are. Get back up. Lay claim to the truth of God's Word. And His Word states clearly that His mercies are new every morning. You received a program as you came in. On that program, there's a connection card, and my hope, my desire is that everyone would fill out that that connection card. On that connection card, if you're willing to be an accountability partner to another man, if you're willing to be someone that they can call when they're struggling, if you're willing to be someone that will pray with them, someone who will stand with them, Then there's a box for you to check. It says, I'm willing to be an accountability partner to another man in the congregation. Now, you don't have to be perfect to check the box. Okay, That's that's my my concern, is that you're going to say, well, 
Who am I to be an accountability partner? Are you willing to stand with somebody? Are you willing to talk to them when they're struggling? Are you willing to pray with them? That, that's the prerequisites, okay? We're not looking for perfect people. Okay, get that out of your head. Second, if you want an accountability partner, raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Come to the front. No, if you want an accountability partner, let me know. If you want an accountability partner, call me. If you want an accountability partner, text me. If you want an accountability partner, stop me in the hallway. Come into the office. Call me at home. Whatever. And I will connect you confidentially with an accountability partner and it'll be 100% confidential. Now there are resources available. And this is always the struggle with a sermon like this is I got all these profound truths and all these ideals and then it's like, all right, let's pray and we'll see you next week. You know, what do we do for you? You know, there are resources available like Covenant Eyes website and device management. Faithful and true website. And I got these from these three guys. That's why I want to talk to them. What worked for you? What was the key for you? How did you get to where you are now? I talked to Covenant Eyes website and device management. Faithful and true website. Finally Free, which is a book by Heath Lambert. Bethesda Workshops and Celebrate Recovery. Right here, Friday nights at 6 o'clock. Resources are tools. But the problem is spiritual. Let's call it, let's call it what it is, church. It's not a disease. It's sin. It's sin. It's time we get that right. We need to glorify God in our spirit. And we need to glorify God in our body. Let's be the same on the inside as, as we are on the outside. You're a Christian. You're a believer. It's, it's written all over you. Now live your bumper sticker. Here's what I want to close today. And, and uh, this, this stuff is difficult. And you know, I don't like to put you in compromising places. I, I, I don't think I do that very often. And, and so I've worked my way through this in my, in my mind and I've prayed and I believe God brought us to this point. I would like every man to come to the front. So you're, when you're coming to the front, you're not telling us you're a pornography addict. You're just saying, I'm a man in the congregation. And some that will be coming up, and you can begin to come right now, some that are coming up will be having a problem with pornography to varying degrees. And the rest are coming up and saying, I'm willing to stand with my brother. I'm willing to stand with my friends. I'm willing to stand with the men of Central Assembly. Wherever I am on the journey, you've got to press in, come right to the middle. And then the thing, again, the thing that really impacted me, one of the things that really impacted me during this week press in. Come on in, fellas. There's a big gap in the middle. Come right up. Come on up. Come on to the aisles. One of the things that, that really caught me off guard, and I understood that women were, were a part of the pornography industry, 
But one of the things that caught me off guard was the growing percentage of the market that's occupied by women. And, and that's a little harder for, for me to deal with. And, and so what I would like to do, and I'm not sure what this is going to look like given the, the limited space, but I would like the women to come in behind the men. And there's a couple aspects of thinking about this for the women. One is the pornography usage, and, and I don't know that I understand how many women use pornography. I don't know. But I know this, a number of women have been hurt when they found out their husbands used pornography. And so we've got, we've got women that use pornography, we've got women that have been hurt, women that have been grieved, women that have seen their marriage suffer and their lives suffer because of their husband's pornography usage. And so we're all in a different place on the journey, right? We've all got a, a story to tell and a wound to heal. And so we stand together. That's all this is, is we're standing together. We need each other. I need you and you need your brother and you need your sister. And we're in it together. And the enemy wants to bring us down. He wants to divide us. He wants you to hide from God. He wants you to be involved in a secret sin, to hide from God. Distance yourself from the one you think you disappointed. I can do it on my own. Remember Jimmy Swaggart's tearful confession? One of the things he said in that message was, I made the mistake of thinking me and God could handle anything. And what I discovered, he said, was I needed my brothers. I needed my brothers. And so that's all this is. When you come forward, you're saying, hey, we need each other. I'm part of that body. And so we're going to worship. I just encourage you to pray for one another any way you see fit. Just worship God in spirit and in truth that at quarter two we'll be done. We'll head out into the turkey roundup. And the problem with that is, is hell, life goes on. My hope and prayer is that you'll meditate on some of the things we talked about. Having that plan, having it ready, having it accessible, because you're going to need it. You may not feel like it now, but you're walking in the spirit now. Wait till you're walking in the flesh. Your brothers are here for you. If you're, if you're willing to be an accountability partner, you don't have to be perfect. Check that box. Give me an arsenal of names to work from when men come to me and say I'm struggling. If you're struggling, come and talk to me. I'll give you, I'll try to pair you up with an accountability partner that works for you. All right? Yeah, I I love you guys. I'm not even going to pray. I'm just going to turn it over to to worship. Yeah. Jesus, we come before you this morning. Lord God, we ask that you help us, Lord God, to see that you can make all things new in our lives, Lord God. Jesus, your name.